Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, everybody. Mike Woods here, one of the founding members of FMG Suite. Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors presented by FMG Suite. More than 40,000 advisors rely on FMG Suite to help them stay connected, build relationships, and grow their business. Now it's your turn. Visit us at fmgsuite.com and schedule a demo so you can see our tools in action. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with John Deal, Senior Vice President of Applied Insights at Hartford Funds. John and his team created the Hartford Report 2020 Consumer Election Survey. If you haven't downloaded it yet, open a browser and enter Hartford Funds Election 2020. It's an awesome piece of research. You'll be glad you have it. The most important takeaway from this podcast is to understand that 75% of clients say they discuss politics with their financial advisor. So if you haven't been having a lot of conversations, do a gut check on why that's the case. 57% of people say it's important that they align politically with their financial advisor. That truly is a stunning statistic. John's advice, practice having political talks with clients and prospects. And more importantly, more importantly, ask questions about people's background in an attempt to better understand why they have the political beliefs they do. Be known as a listener during this election season. It's not about you, John reminds us. Market in Motion podcast, spread the word. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Today, I'm excited to be joined by John Deal. John, why don't you say hello to everybody? Hi, thanks for having me. John, let's set the stage for everybody. You're Senior Vice President of Applied Insights at Hartford Funds. Uh, give in listeners a two-minute elevator pitch about your background and what, what you do. Sure. So I've been with Hartford Funds for about 32 years now. And uh, for the first half of my career, I was really involved with product development, 401k, insurance, annuities, uh, and mutual funds. But uh, over more recent years, I've run uh, our research relationship with the MIT Age Lab, as well as with other consultants helping to, to promote value-add content to advisors and their clients, not directly investment-related content all the time about markets and, and fund solutions, so on and so forth, but more about uh, behavioral aspects, the environment we all live in, kind of where lifestyle are taking us, or lifestyles are taking us, and what decisions advisors and clients are going to have to make in the future. So it's really uh, trying to to help advisors serve their clients in a more holistic fashion. Gotcha. Well, the uh, the the reason why we're having the call, or one of the reasons we're doing this podcast today, is you guys recently came out with your 2020 consumer election survey. And I got to tell you, I, I have eaten that up. I have eaten it uh, with a, a knife, a fork, a spoon, everything possible, sliced it and diced it and used it quite a bit. I've, I have found that uh, uh, just has tremendous insights into what, what, what investors are thinking and how the relationship with the rep is. So uh, if uh, listeners haven't downloaded it, just go to your browser and enter Hartford Funds Election 2020 
and you'll come across the document. And uh, it, it really is a great eye opener just uh, about the information and how it progresses. So, John, I, I, that, you know, and, and that's and, and I and I see a lot of this stuff. I got to tell you, as as, as the, um, the subject matter expert at FMG Suite, I am I am filtering information left and right. But uh, this stands head and shoulders above everybody else. So, John, your group did an awesome job on this. Well, thanks. I appreciate the your your kind words. It's uh, it's always insightful, and it's always great to kind of trying to open the eyes of both advisors and clients that we're working with. So, John, take a minute and tell us about the history of the survey, just to give people a background. You, uh, how long have you guys been doing this, and uh, um, uh, what 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 really drove? What was the genesis of it? Yeah, I think uh, we've probably gone back now four or five presidential election cycles. And, you know, the questions aren't always the same, but the intent is to try and understand, you know, how election cycles are kind of getting into people's psyche, impacting that emotion, because we know that oftentimes, you know, some of the biggest investing mistakes come when people make emotional decisions and they right. kind of depart from rationality. And so, you know, as we think about uh, various events that come through life, you know, that the four-year presidential cycle is pretty predictable and certainly emotional. But I'll tell you, the emotions around elections, it's not going to come as a surprise to any of your listeners. It, it's just amazing. And sometimes I, I ponder to myself, why is it ramped up so quickly? I, You know, personally, I think part of the issue might be the ubiquitousness that the news cycle surrounds us with now, right? It's not sure. just the not just the evening news or the morning paper anymore. It's uh, you know, it's on your desktop, it's in your pocket, it's at the gas pump, it's everywhere we go, and every <laughs> every contemplatable medium is coming at us. So I, I think it has to have that impact. Yeah, it sure does. And uh, yeah, it's it's hard to get away from. Sometimes I'll just, uh, you know, it seems like the only way to get away from it is to, to go on a hike or to go on a <laughs> walk right. or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, uh, you know, I, um, uh, I, I, again, Lister's Hartford Funds Election tw uh, 2020. Um, um, just to, if you download and take a look at it while we're talking, this stuff's going to make a lot more sense too, if you haven't seen it. But um, John, there were a lot of things that really surprised me in that report, but I want to throw to you, I want to say, what results did you expect and what results really took you by surprise? So I would tell you that the, the results that I expected, and every time we do one of these surveys, I'm kind of like, here it comes again, right? Every single time we do it, a large number of people say, the president has a lot of influence over the, or at least some influence over the markets, right? Sure. Stock right. market performance. In fact, this year, 93% said the president had influence. And, you know, I guess looking back over history, everybody always feels that the chief executive of the country certainly has an impact. The, the question is how much impact, right? Because oftentimes when we go to educate clients about, the influence or the correlation or non-correlation between election results and markets, it's an understanding that it's not just the president that calls the shot. So I wasn't surprised because the public generally thinks the president has a, a great deal of influence. 
the other thing that's not surprising to me is that the general perception of clients is that Republicans are better for their investments or better for their markets. And counter to that, they feel that the Democrats, if elected, are, are going to be worse uh, for their investments. And it, it's generally predictable that it comes out that way. But, sure. you know, if you look through our material and understand, and this has always been the case, it really doesn't matter because election results generally are not correlated. Uh, in fact, you could actually make the argument that uh, oftentimes Democratic administrations are actually better for stock market performance. So, but that one, you know, I, I don't know if it's the kind of the stereotypes, the stories we were told, the kind of public posturing of the parties by sometimes not by the parties themselves, but by one another, right? Right. Exactly. Uh, maybe that influences, but those were some of the things I expected to see. The things that I did not expect to see were really the uh, kind of the ramp up in the, uh, in the prominence of some of the feelings. So uh, probably the biggest one uh, that, that kind of grabbed me was one that said 57% of clients said that it's important that they align politically with their financial professional. That's right? the one so, that that's the one that really stood out to me too. That I just I, I, that really knocked me off my feet. And almost half said that they would consider switching financial professionals. 44% said they would consider switching financial professionals if they didn't align on political views. I mean that to me is astounding because remember we're talking about money and financial strategies and investing here uh, but yet we see this other aspect now creeps into the relationship picture yeah it uh, that was the one that really um uh knocked me off my feet because uh it it it, it, it if you see that it can lead to a little bit of almost um if you're an advisor it can lead to a little bit of paralysis where you really don't want to necessarily say anything because you almost feel like whatever you say might indict you as, as supporting one party or the other and alienating half of your client base. Well, uh, we think, you think about the old adage, right? We don't want to discuss religion or politics, right? But, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. in this case, it's apparent that even if you don't want to discuss politics, it seems that your client may to an extent, right? Whether, right. whether they're saying, no, I base everything on political view. I don't think they're saying that like that the, uh, 75% of clients said that they discuss politics with their financial professional, but of those, 21% say it's frequent, 36 say sometimes, 17% say infrequently, and a quarter say that quarter of our respondents said no, we never talk politics. So it's it's also interesting, you know, I, I don't have the generational cut on the data, but I'd be wondering if there was any generational difference in terms of who talks politics and who doesn't with their advisor. I mean, we do, we do have some feedback that younger investors, right. Are usually more influenced around the kind of the political discussions in terms of wanting uh, alignment, but right. yeah, that one's, that one's concerning. So for a financial advisor, you can say, you know, I don't go there, but oftentimes your client's going to take you there, whether you go so willingly or not. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, which is, uh, yeah, that's, uh, t t they, they will drag, you might get dragged into a conversation you don't want to be in. You know, uh, one of the things you mentioned there about um, uh, the 93% the believe the president influences and, and the perception that re the Republicans are better. 
um, you show in the survey that, in fact, uh, the, the Democrats have actually been better for the financial markets over time. Uh, and then you go on to talk about what's better, a, a Republican-controlled president and legislature or a Democrat-controlled or a, or, a, or a split. And uh, the conclusion, what, what uh, tell everybody the conclusion that you found. Yeah, the conclusion is, you know, most people find that, you know, that they think that if Republicans control everything, that's going to be the best scenario for personal finance. If the Democrats control everything, that's going to be like in the middle. That's it's not going to be as good as if the Republicans win any anything, but it's not going to be as bad as divided government. And only 20. So it was 46 percent thought if Republicans controlled everything, it'd be best for them. 32% felt that if Democrats controlled everything, that would be best. And 22% said divided government would be best, where you have Congress and the presidency being of different parties, when actually all the results, the, the, the reality is almost exactly the opposite, right? Divided right. government, divided government, where the parties are different in the presidency and the Congress typically have well it has the best historical market performance in terms of those scenarios so whether that's because a scenario like that forces compromise the optimist might argue the pessimist would argue well it guarantees nothing will be done so you know <laughs> at, at least markets can kind of bank on not having a lot of uncertainty about what's coming down the path but whatever the reason divided government is it historically has been the best performing market performance. But as you can see, in terms of our consumer sentiment, they regard that as the worst possibility. So again, misleading perceptions, perhaps. Right, right. That's a, um, you know, it, it's interesting as you look at those, uh, the market performances over time. One of the things that I did uh, for our sales team, just as, as we talked about the Hartford survey, was I put the performance of the markets on the Republicans and report performance under Democrats, put them on a spreadsheet and thrilled them out 20 years and said, which portfolio would you rather have if you started with a million dollars after 20 years? And everybody points to the higher one, but very few people get the correct answer that uh, uh so it's um um it it's it's a it's that perception versus reality and knocking people off of that let me get let's go back to that survey i wanted to ask you uh as you looked at it what what do advise what should advisors take from it if they're looking through it right now what what is the what's the biggest takeaway especially as it comes to uh communication well and it's a it's a great question and also on that election resource center that you mentioned we have some helpful articles, insights from psychologists, for example, that talk about how to have these conversations with clients. And I think by and large, advisors need to understand it's important to stay in your role as a financial advisor, right? Now, uh, saying that, I will acknowledge there are some advisors on both ends of the political spectrum that make politics a part of their persona and a part of their appeal. So I'm not saying that's wrong. It's just that if, if that's where you're at, I, I get it. Uh, but for the most part, you know, advisors, I think, are really kind of centered on helping clients achieve their goals. And part of understanding achieving those goals is understanding a little bit uh, about the client's own personal story, right? So exactly uh, right. I, th I think advisors need to advisors need to regard this political conversation as an opportunity to understand that client a little bit deeper, right? So if you say you're, you're, you lean Democrat or you lean Republican, so, so why is that, 
right? Was it, was, were you raised in that kind of environment? Was there most of the time, to be honest with you, there's an experience that impacted the way people think it's part of our worldview. So I think for an advisor to be able to ask questions about that's interesting. Why do you feel that way? And, and I also think that, you know, if we get into a conversation, not just a, you know, what team are you on, Democrat or Republican, you may actually find that, and the client may actually find that on certain areas, there may be an alignment, other areas, maybe not so, but at least the advisor can understand a little bit more about uh, why that client feels the way they do. And it may actually impact the way you do their planning. And I think that's important. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that, um, you know, some of the best dinner conversations I have are with people that don't align with me politically. Uh, mm -hmm. It's great. It's great to hear how they think and how they view the world and what's influenced them uh, and to have that mutual sharing versus someone that agrees with me on everything. Yeah, well, and I would. I, I think one of the one of the most helpful things that an advisor can do is kind of imagine that conversation happening before it happens, right? Like if a, mm -hmm. if a client were to bring this up to me, um, what would I say? How would I respond? Because if we don't go through that practice, you know what's going to happen. The conversation's going to happen, and now we're caught flat-footed. And I think we increase the odds that maybe we say something we didn't mean to say or it's taken the wrong way. And so by being able to mentally rehearse that conversation before it ever happens, how much of my own political view am I willing to open myself up to? What kind of questions would I ask the client? I think that's a really healthy practice if we're going to make the most of that opportunity to have that interchange. Yeah, you know, that's a great point because in the, you know, I've, 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 I've talked to a number of advisors and, and one thing that's stuck out is in the era of COVID, you can always, ex you used to call people and you would get them on the phone one out of every 10 times. Now you get them on the conversation, you get them on a the phone six out of seven times. People just always pick up their phone. They're always available. They're, they're, mm -hmm. it, it's more spontaneous. And, um, uh, you know, advisors would say who uh, have said, well, they used to always practice their phone script, but now they actually have to practice their conversation. So I think that that's tremendous advice saying uh, practice that conversation with yourself and be ready for curveballs. People could throw a, a curveball and say, hey, you know, who are you going to vote for? Absolutely. And I, I think that's uh, part of the world we live in. Some of our other early research findings are that uh, clients are expecting expecting to be contacted more frequently, maybe with more brevity, right? But but that frequent contact and what are our conversations going to be about? I I couldn't agree with you more. I think it, it's really important that we have a we have a game plan. We need to know where we stand on some of these things and to what level we're comfortable discussing them because then when we get into the conversation, it's almost like we played the game in our head before it ever happened. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, now, FMG has been approached by, oh, I don't, a, a dozens and some uh, firms about creating a webinar or a seminar leading up to the uh, <laughs> uh, the election, and I, sure. I said, boy, that's that's a that's a that's a suicide proposition for an advisor because. It, it, you can't, it's one thing making a presentation about retirement income. It's another thing talking about a political environment. And I, and I know you guys have had some experience with that too, about the, the dangers really of, of putting something like that on. Yeah. So at Hartford Funds, I manage a team of seven. 
uh, who do the same thing I do every single day. We're making presentations uh, to groups of advisors. We're speaking at conferences, but often what we do are we, we do tons of client events. And last election cycle in 2016, and we used to always have every four years a, a public workshop that we would call the politics of investing. And it was really about debunking a lot of the myths around market performance and election outcomes, much as you know, we even do in with our election results here. Sure. Uh, but what I found four years ago was that it wasn't so much about, you know, we used to be worried about, and advisors have to be concerned about, you know, kind of the, the audience coming back at you based on something you might say or a, a point you try to make. What we found was in our client events, we ran the risk of audience members getting into it with other audience members. So, <laughs> you know, before you know it, you totally lost control of the event. I actually think that the format that we cover it in now, which is providing some resources, providing some objective perspective, right? Whether that comes from money management professionals, whether it comes from surveys such as this, being able to provide some insight. But that insight, I believe, is most effective when shared on a one-on-one a -on -one conversation. So what are you thinking about the election? Does it have you freaked out? In what way? You know, how, you know and you'll get a range of responses there. But it's our opportunity, especially when you're speaking to clients who aren't paying attention to the investment markets each and every day, to kind of calm those emotions a little bit and to try and add some real, uh, real perspective that's based on rational uh, data analysis of markets that we've already experienced. Obviously, nobody has a crystal ball, but um, but sometimes providing that perspective has the impact of calming down that client. And I think uh, maybe not making some investment mistakes because we found that 45% of the people that we interviewed said that they plan to make changes to their investment because of the upcoming presidential election. And, and don't get too comfortable because 62% said that they plan to make investment changes following the election. So I know many, many people may be thinking, you know, Gee, I just can't wait till November 3rd till this whole thing's over. Guess what, folks? It, it's going to be with us for a while. Right, right. You know, that that uh, that was uh, that was going to be my next question. I, that, you know, the um, uh, at, at FMG, we provide timely emails. Uh, we provide an email and we've been providing an email each week for a rep to send out. And <clears throat> excuse me. One of the uh, one of the ones in recent weeks, I, I wrote about the fact that uh, yeah, just exactly that. Forty five percent of people plan to make changes to their investments because of the election, not because their goals change, not because their time horizon, not because of their risk tolerance, because of an emotional reaction to an election. And then, and then your actual survey went and broke it down even further about what they plan to do uh, after the election about how they so the, the 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 perceptions really play out with people's thinking about different equity allocations or or their allocation to equity bonds and cash yeah so you know you just mentioned so if we take the following the election we asked look if a republican wins what do you plan to do 19 percent said if a republican wins i'm going to invest more in equities if a Democrat wins, only 10%, half 
said they're they're going to invest more in equities or stocks which you, which is which historically is the op which is the exact right. opposite thing to do well and let's leave politics out of it for a second right when when we put together financial portfolios for clients i don't think most people do so with a lens towards over the next 30 years what do we project the political control is going to look like and what no we look at we look at asset allocation models we look at a client's time horizon, risk objectives, and we try to match those to their liquidity needs and their long-term investment perspectives. So as advisors, we're, we're participating in the right, the right practices, but boy, when we get in the kind of the short-term focus of an election cycle, um, people, and this is the danger, uh, you know, that the issue is that when emotional decision-making, we have, we kind of have a saying, we say emotion puts money in motion, right? So mm -hmm. advisors can talk about rational approaches to investing all they want, but you get in these times of ramped up emotions, people want to make, make changes, but oftentimes the best approach is to relying on the plan that was devised in a less emotionally charged atmosphere, right? Where every single day we're, you know, we're back and forth. We don't know what to think. We're up, we're down. And that's really every every four years what I hope to do uh, and what we hope to do at Hartford Funds is provide a little perspective so that people don't make irrational decisions, which may actually have significantly negative impact on their long-term investment results. And this is right. a perfect example of, you know, so on the flip side, um, you know, if, if a Republican wins, this is following the election, 8% said they'd invest more in fixed income and bonds. And if a Democrat won, 13% said they would invest more in fixed income and bonds. And so, yeah, all the stereotypes are kind of playing, even though people usually don't take the extra steps of actually looking at what the data says. Right, right. You know, it's a. Um, uh, I've had uh, a number of as we prepare these e emails and put them out. Um, one of the one of my my catch lines is to say, if you have a concern about any of the policies being talked about by any of the presidential candidates, please give us a call so we can communicate. And what what I put that in for is I hear from advisors that. Um, uh, People are anxious about some of the tax proposals being proposed by uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. And uh, what uh, what I what I talk to reps about is when if somebody calls them and asks that question, what they've got to be uh, what they've got to be comfortable with uh, is talking about how some tax proposals can be um, can be can be done really by executive action, but some have to have to go through a legislative process where it's not the pre president doesn't he, he's not king he can't right. he can't determine things by fiat so if but if they're if they're able to have that kind of discussion then maybe they can talk somebody off the ledge a little bit who might be saying well gosh you know if uh, if Joe Biden gets in he's going to raise capital gain taxes so I got to sell everything now um, and, and so your survey didn't go into that specifically, but I wonder what, what would your, how would you, how would you help somebody approach that conversation? Yeah, I, I think it would be again, to kind of point to past financial markets. We, we have another piece we, we, where we talk about 10 things you need to know about politics of investing. And we show, uh, presidential administrations all the way back to John Kennedy in 1960, uh, at, through current. And we ask people, you know, so what presidents do you think were most impactful as measured by 
the S&P 500 stock market. And when you think about all the presidents over those years, who would guess that Gerald Ford had the greatest <laughs> stock performance during his presidency, right? And it just, it goes to show people that sometimes their perceptions, right? And this is where we come back to talking about, you know, whether it's Republican or Democrat, generally speaking, if you knock out some of the outstanding years during the Clinton years and some of the really bad years during the George W. Bush years, the Great Recession, right, you're talking right. about basically no difference in terms of if we're looking at equity markets, very, very little difference in terms of equity market returns. And so to your point, people make emotional decisions to make changes in those portfolios. They incur they incur perhaps uh, taxes that they wouldn't have otherwise done, which, you know, or they go conservative, they go aggressive based on whatever their emotions say, instead of sticking with that asset allocation that was maybe meted out during a, a less emotional time. Right. And so that's, you know, our lesson is, look, it, it's not that following the election, then let's sit down and let's talk about the impacts that you and I might agree on as advisor and client. Maybe it calls for, you know, a different positioning. It's usually not a wholesale, you know, asset allocation remake based on, you know, who wins elections. Because let's not forget, it's not only four-year elections anymore. Now it seems like the midterm elections, it'll be coming in two more years. You know, they'll be the election to end all elections. So this, this cycle just doesn't end. Sure, sure. Yeah, what what I uh, what I've talked to people about, you know, an ambitious investor would have to would have to forecast the election results, evaluate which policies may become law, estimate a potential economic impact, and assess how it would affect the financial markets. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a tough job. That's full time job right there. Well, and I I really it doesn't matter which candidate you support in any presidential election cycle there are going to be policies that the market is going to is going to regard as positive there are going to be policies that the market is going to resolve as restrictive and so you know no one is a panacea from a from a market performance or a financial standpoint i think sometimes we have a tendency to see you know, all the good in the in the candidate we like and all the bad in the other candidate. <laughs> that's that's just, it's just not human nature. It's just not the way things work. And so, you know, when we look at when we look at the policies, you know, that we ask people, you know, what do you think about the, the upcoming election? What's most important? Now, remember, this was uh, back in August that we surveyed folks. And they said, you know, number one was the economy. Number two was right. COVID-19. Number three was healthcare race relations, climate change, trade policy. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. Many of these issues are, they're tangled, right? They're not, they're not separate issues. They're, they're, they're tangled with one another. The economy is going to be dependent on responses to some of these other issues, so on and so forth. So uh, it's very hard to separate things neatly into piles and say, you know, market's going to like this, market isn't going to like this, and therefore, I should change my allocation. It's just not reality. Right, right. Yeah, that that was. Um, uh, I, I I I did when I saw that question about the, the what what issues are the most important, and I saw the economy with thirty nine percent, and mm -hmm. COVID nineteen with another thirty three percent. I had the same reaction. I said, well, there's been no other single greater force in the economy over the past six to eight months than COVID. I mean, heck, we shut the economy down for it. Um, 
and and now we're and now you're seeing the the v-shaped recovery or or an attempted v-shaped recovery so those two things to me i i, I would have hard if you asked me which was the most impactful over the last six months i don't i i, I don't know which box i would check so uh right. so, <laughs> They are very commingled. Well, and I think, you know, you asked me earlier about what, what surprised me. I will tell you that, you know, that kind of the acceleration of the responses in terms of how strongly people feel. Remember that one I mentioned that we let off with, which 93% of people said that the president has influence right. over stock market performance. Well, uh, to, to give you an idea how quickly things change in this year's survey, 48% said the president has a lot of influence over the stock market. In 2015, leading into the leading into that election, only 23% said the president has a lot of influence. And so think about that dramatic of a change just in wow. terms of we're looking at one person who we're voting for and 48% of people say that person has a lot of impact on stock market performance. It, it kind of explains maybe a little bit about why we get so amped up about right. these kind of cycles. Well, John, let me ask, let me, let's close it up with just one final question. I want to get your take on, as you, as you see this, as you, it's your position at Hartford, certainly within the product development side and now on this side, give a, give the listeners an idea of what planning opportunities they would have around the election. What, what, what thoughts should they be giving to what types of, how they should be maneuvering through it? Well, I think that, I think it offers a terrific opportunity, even if the advisor doesn't plan to make any kind of changes to the asset allocation portfolio, what a great opportunity it makes to sit down with your client to talk about the current positioning of the portfolio. I think the one thing that, that clients often forget is that, you know, in a properly allocated portfolio, different asset classes are in place for different reasons. I always like to tell people, it's kind of like positions of players on a baseball team, right? At, the team wins when the catcher does what they're supposed to do. The pitcher pitches a good game, the left fielder and right field, like everybody has a role to play. So it gives you a chance to talk about why you've allocated to certain areas. So for example, you, you know, people have, have really bemoaned international investing, international equity investing over the past, I don't know, six, seven years, been a, a pretty right. tough ride, right? But you know, perhaps there's a reason here, given the uncertainty of, of trade policy, given the uncertainty of the strength of the dollar. Again, it's kind of taking it back in an elementary method or, or elementary basis to help people really understand why, you know, the best approach in terms of times of uncertainty is diversification. We don't have a crystal ball. Even if our favorite candidate wins, the outcome is still uh uh, unknown. And so we need to explain to clients why we think it's valuable that they participate in certain asset classes based on their long-term investment objectives. Over time, we'll have a chance to think about anticipated tax policy, for example, or mm -hmm. uh, the impact of you know what's happening in, in domestic versus international trade agreements, so on and so forth. But you know, these things aren't going to happen overnight. And I know, you know, we'd all like to be on the front edge of, of you know, the events that are going to occur six, nine, 12 months from now. Uh, but that's just not the position we're in. And so I, I think it's just, it's a great opportunity, A, to have a chance to review or discuss maybe with a new prospect, your approach to asset management. Secondly, maybe even more importantly, 
it's an opportunity to have a conversation about that client's story and understanding why they feel the way they do, learn a little bit more about their experience. And that's where I would say, you know, we've got a couple of good pieces on how to talk politics with your clients. And, you know, as we reflect on that, you, every advisor is individual. They can think about their own path to where they think they're most comfortable and most effective in having these conversations. So I do look at it as an opportunity, especially when we see that 75% of clients say, yeah, they discuss politics with their financial professional. It's a great opportunity. Gotcha. Good stuff. Well, uh, let me remind everybody again, just go to our browser, type in 2020 election survey, Hartford Funds, and you will have a wealth of information there. John's indicated there's other resources too. So, John, I can't thank you enough for coming on the line with us. This is, like I said, this has been uh, a, a real a real treasure trove of content for us at FMG over the last, um, um, I, I want to say six to eight weeks, just to, um, just because of the perception versus the reality, just the, the, the context of how, what, what people believe versus what, what, what actually is happening and how much the, um, how much this election apparently people are reading into it. So uh, it's just been great stuff. So appreciate you taking the time out today, John. Can't thank you enough. My pleasure. Thanks for having me again. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Market Emotion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.